How's everyone doing? Well, it's Saturday. Saturday morning. Time to unwind. We had quite an exciting week with blackouts and power failures. The sky lit up. It looked like the 4th of July when the pop, when the, what do you call it, a um, power generator source or, hmm, it come to me. power failed anyways and you could see all these sparks everywhere in the sky so yeah everything was dark for a long time hours stores and malls and homes dark on the west side scary stuff guys Well, speaking of scary stuff, you're welcome in. I'm checking out this free online course on cybersecurity. Online at edx at x. You're welcome to join this free study session. In this video, you will learn to describe the second major factor that contributed to the rise of cybersecurity attention in the U.S. Uh, the next step or the next uh, big thing that happens that changed almost everything for the last 20 years was the 9-11. The 9-11 obviously was something uh, physical, was a, a couple of planes that crashed into the into the Twin Towers in, in New York. But one of the things that the, the U.S. government tried to understand also was, uh, first of all, how this could happen, how the coordination between uh, different parts happens, and what happened if there is a 9-11, but not necessarily on the, phys- on the physical world, but on the technology, something like the destruction of the power plant or the destruction of the of, uh, electricity uh, network or the power network into or in, in, in any major or important city. And one of the important things to keep an eye on right now is the use of technology of for almost anyone. So basically anyone right now has a cell phone. Anyone can access data. Anyone can upload and download data from the internet. And we are going to talk about this, this specific topic in a couple of minutes. But that's something all uh, important to understand. Uh, we have access to the technology. Uh, in those years, in the Reagan years, not everybody has access to that technology. But right now, anyone could actually start an attack using their cell phone, using their computer in, uh, their, computer in their home. So uh, that's something important also to understand, the use of technology. Here we have some nice earlier informations regarding cybersecurity in the nation states or a cyber war, cyber war to be specific. One nice operation was the Clipper ship uh, operation uh, developed by the NSA. 
And in simple words, this operation uh, was something that those guys in the NSA tried to incorporate like a chip into any uh, landline for, cell for, for, for phones in, in most of the U.S. Uh, homes to try to spy the communications. Obviously, that project, that operation didn't go well, didn't receive any, any approval from the Congress. Uh, but since the last leaks from Edward Snowden, we already know that, well, it's not Clipership, the operation that goes uh, into operation. It was something different that catch not just uh, communications over the landlines, but also communications over emails and, and over other communication methods. Moonlight Maze was an operation, actually, that's pretty, pretty important uh, to understand. In, in the year 2000, a Newsweek report created a series of, of reports regarding the Moon Maze story. In simple words, this Moon Maze operation was the process to collect or dump passwords from Unix and Linux servers, not just for from the NSA, but also from the NASA, the Department of Defense, and a couple of other uh, organizations in the United States. Uh, this operation was one of the first things that, that happened on the on the cybersecurity warfare arena, uh, because well, at this moment there is no indicator or there is no relaxation for a nation or for someone in another country that performed this this attack. But uh, it's supposed to be the, the Russians that performed this uh, operation. And the tool that they, they used to uh, launch uh, this attack was something called Lucky 2. And w one particular thing that happened with this operation is the attackers use a lot of proxies. So they infect computers around the world, especially in the United States, and they uh, hide their real connection using those using that computers using those computers so uh when they start <clears throat> sorry when the u.s government start uh looking and monitoring the uh, the unauthorized access and the activities for uh for uh on those networks on the nsa on the nasa on the department of of defense networks they uh, collect information not from the from the real attackers, they are collect they, they, they collect information from the from the proxies that the attackers are actually using. Uh, another operation, the Solar Sunrise. That's this this operation is is, is important. That, but he has or this operation has one interesting uh, com component here. First of all, uh, this uh, operation was a series of attacks to the Department of Defense computer networks. Uh, it launched on February of 98, and essentially uh, they exploit a known vulnerability on their on, on one operative, operative, operative system on the network uh, of the Department of Defense, and they, they use or they start the attack following a series of, of, of steps, actually that, that, that's part of the interesting part of the operation. They try to determine or uh, understand if the vulnerability that the attacker wants to exploit exists on the network. Uh, if the vulnerability exists, they exploit the vulnerability, they implant in a program like a 
uh, backdoor or a sniffer to get it uh, to get to gather data or to get information for from the network and they uh, actually leave the system leave the backdoor and the sniffer there and return later to retrieve the collated data they launch the attackers launch not just uh Uh, this attack for the Department of Defense Network, but also for the Air Force, Navy, the Marine Corps, and also for in, in other countries such as Israel, uh, France, Germany, and they they target uh, some of the key parts of the network. They try to uh, dump uh, also passwords and and documents from the from the. Technological or from the infrastructure on the on the on on the infrastructure on the on the networks that they attack. But the interesting part here is who launched this attack. It was something I don't know. Maybe uh, the terrorists, maybe a rogue state such as Iraq or something like that. Uh, well, well, no. Actually, the attack was launched by two teenagers from California, and actually, one of the teenagers was from Israel. So, uh, this is a good, uh, good example of things that could happen, uh, even if we are not dealing with the nation-state uh, uh, cyber command. And what things things could happen if we do not secure our network? And the breach of Yankee was uh, categorized as the most significant breach of the U.S. military uh, computers ever by uh, the Secretary of Defense William J. Lin. And this this operation was uh, was uh, was part of a series of compromises uh, on the year 2008. And then everything starts with a USB uh, drive inserted into a computer in the military, Middle East military-based operation. Uh, they use a Trojan called Agent BTC, and the Trojan, the worm, keep or stay on the on the network for 14 months until uh, the IT security staff from the military clean the infection. Uh, no one at this moment uh, uh, has uh, attributed the, the, the attack. Uh, it seems like it's from China, but there is no real accusation right now on the on the on the courts. So that's that's one important major uh, security breach and security operation or cyber warfare operation uh, from the last 10 to 15 years. Then, then, then we have some other uh, examples. Uh, this is a storm operation on on the early 90s and the Bosnia war. Those two are uh, actually wars, are not necessarily cyber wars, but there is a component for the cyber cyber war there. For example, on the Desert Storm, some of the radars that Stan Hussein used to try to alert uh, their military forces that airplanes are coming to, to destroy bases or things like that. Some of the uh, radars are destroyed or are uh, tampered with uh, fake information. So that's one of the things that the U.S. military command used to uh, successfully attack some of the key military buildings or Saddam Hussein. And from Bosnia, on Bosnia, 
there was a lot of cyber uh, operations, but uh, things like, for example, fake fake news, fake information delivered to militaries in, in the field, things like that, use uh, was used in Bosnia.
we've always been told. Hello? Message. Weaponized by governments and exploited by criminals, and how rapidly the problem is growing as our reliance on the digital world continues to increase. A couple of other things, especially for the 9-11, the, the important part here to understand is that the new Freedom Act was a key part to start the mass surveillance programs that uh, Edward Snowden uh, reveals uh, a couple of years ago. And this fact, the attack, the 9-11, was the, the cornerstone to, to start uh, the new cyber war, the new cyber arena war. That, for example, we're not going to talk uh, a lot about that, but there, there is a, an attack called, or a virus actually called the Stuxnet, that was delivered to the Iran nuclear plants. And th that, uh, that process, that virus, that Trojan, was created supposedly by United States and Israel into, or using one uh, uh, operation called uh, Olympic Games. But that kind of things happen because 9-11, because United States or the U.S. government wants to not just understand what is happening into the cyber world, but also prevent and try to stop wars in the real world <laughs> doing things on the cyber first. So that's the, Stux the Stuxnet was, was an example of that. Here are some uh, numbers. Uh, I think that it's important to understand cybersecurity numbers. Here is the 2017 numbers. Obviously, since uh, we have the report for, uh, for 2017, the numbers that we have on that report are from 2016, uh, to, uh, 2016, sorry. So basically, we have a lot of software vulnerabilities. We have things like, for example, uh, cross-site scripting. We have SQL injections. We have local file privilege, or we have privilege escalations in software. We have local and remote file uploads that goes or try to create access or backdoors into the systems. So uh, year by year, uh, we have an exponential uh, increase of that software vulnerabilities, even if companies try harder to fix those vulnerabilities, detect and correct those vulnerabilities, we have a lot of vulnerabilities in the software. Actually, we are going to see a couple of uh, new slides on the new Export Threat Intelligence Index report that we have for this year. Also some numbers, those numbers came from uh, Forbes, and a study that Forbes developed on the year 2016. For cyber attacks, we have almost 400 billions of losses on yearly basis around the globe. So between the denial of service, between uh, data lake, between nation state uh, attacks, there is a lot of money lost in cyber attacks. The cyber crime is a business, it's a 100 billion business only in the United States. There, are, there is a lot of, of money on the cyber war and the cyber crime is trying to take advantage of the use of or not use uh, of protections for uh, the users that actually goes into the internet and, and, and tries or buys things or uh, perform things on their computers. And data lost, 2.1 billion on, on this year. That's the projection that uh, Forbes generate on 2016. 
And for the X4 Threat uh, in Intelligence Index, uh, here is a link to download the latest report. But let, let's take a look into the report. Let's take a look into the first report for this year. Let's go to page number 16. This report is actually pretty good, so I recommend it. I recommend this report for actually everybody that wants to understand the current cybersecurity status of the year or quarter or something. So first of all, we have the most frequently targeted industries in 2018. Obviously, we have finance and insurance. Why obviously? Because there is a lot of money there. There, there is a lot of, of people that that not necessarily protect their accounts or their systems into the financial and insurance world. But, but there is a couple of other interesting uh, industries also. For example, the healthcare, we have 6% of the targets was uh, healthcare institutions in 2018. We have energy, that's something important because with Ukraine, in a couple of minutes, we are going to talk about one example in Ukraine. But there is a lot of malware, a lot of tools that the hackers use to target energy industries or energy energy infrastructure, so that's something important. Let's go to page number 23. On 23, we are going to see the same numbers that we saw regarding vulnerabilities over the year, but with the update for 2018. So we have a pretty huge uh, increase in the number of vulnerabilities. And that's something obvious because normally when in the past we use a couple of systems we don't actually use, for example, 15 years ago, we didn't we, we don't use Twitter, we don't use uh, Instagram, we don't use uh, web, uh, web application, we uh, don't use uh, mobile applications. But now we use a lot. We have a lot of information, we have a lot of systems, a lot of platform uh, platforms on our smartphones. So if we have a software, if we have an application in our smartphone, in our uh, computer, there is a chance that that application, that uh, software may came with a lot of vulnerabilities. Not necessarily discover vulnerabilities or things that the attackers already know, but there is a big chance that those applications came with a lot of bugs and a lot of things to be worried about. And the last one on page 28, we have the malicious domain categories uh, categorized blocked by Quad9. A lot of URLs that are blocked right now in our systems and our uh, infrastructure and our uh, UTMs or firewalls are related to spam. So we have a 70, 77% of URLs are spam, but there are also a lot of cyber crime, a lot of uh, computer crime and hacking, 88%. Then we have 5% for malware and phishing and 4% for botnet command and control servers. We are going to talk about each of those topics in, in the following videos on this course. So on that, uh, there is a lot of information on this report. Uh, I recommend, I uh, highly recommend that you download and read the report, almost 30 page, 35 page of report. So that's, that's good information. That's something important to understand.
The Audacity of Hope, a poem to find hope in the midst of despair is a sacred thing born of wings we cannot remember we once had, not knowing we will have them again. To wrench joy from the jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare. To find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform. To seek beauty in a massive pile of scattered dreams is cradling a tender innocence that cannot die. To find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism. To create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery. To have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strengths of being more than merely human. To rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom. To gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings. Thank you.
In this video, you will learn to describe why comprehensive cybersecurity architecture can be very complex to implement in reality. So let's talk now about uh, how the internet works and why the online, uh, online security is so hard to implement and to maintain. Uh, first, it's important to understand what is, uh, what is the current picture that we, are, that we are having on our online presence. This is a report, a uh, summary actually of the report presented, presented by Domo on 2018. And here we could see that there is almost, for example, nearly uh, 25,000 if are sent on Facebook Messenger. That's, that's a curious fact. Actually, th there is a lot of tweets, almost uh, uh, 423,000 tweets are sent on Twitter and 4.2 million or videos are viewed on Snapchat. Why those numbers are important? These, these numbers uh, represent that everybody, everybody, everyone that has a smartphone, that has a computer, are on the internet, are sending and receiving information from uh, not just web servers, from, but from another uh, uh, people in, in the internet. So those numbers, the, the interesting part here is those numbers are minute numbers. So every minute, uh, 4.2 million of, of videos are seen on the Snapchat. Every minute, 25,000 GIF are sent into Facebook. So there, there is a lot of data, there is a, a lot of, of information that we are uh, using and we are uh, dealing with internet right now. Quick example uh, and, and, and something that it's a nice exercise to perform. Uh, Natum, it's an organization that collects and, and, and understand data around the world. They, they try to analyze data uh, use, using uh, big data technologies and artificial intelligence and things like that. They put together a site where you can calculate how much or how, how much or uh, what, what is the cost of your information over the internet. For example, with a couple of clicks saying, for example, that you have a Facebook page, that you uh, normally send tweets, that you receive or you have a, a personal uh, blog on WordPress or something like that, we can estimate that the information that you already have on the internet costs almost $1,000. So that's, that's something important because normally uh, we didn't, uh, or we don't actually pay attention to the information that we share or we have on the internet, and that's one of the things that we need to understand in order to implement controls on our accounts. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, authentication. We're going to talk about uh, identification and the methods that we uh, we could use to protect our information, not just on the business side, but also in our personal uh, digital life. So that's something important. We need to understand the amount of money that we are putting into the, in, in the table for the attackers, for the cyber crime to exploit, to capture. Now, what is so difficult? What is so uh, difficult to implement, to understand, and to keep track of internet security or internet privacy on these days? Well, uh, first of all, we need to carry about uh, data protection, and that's something important. But in the past, if we want to protect the data, we protect the server, we protect the computer, we protect uh, our printed documents into uh, uh, and 
lock them in into a to a box or something like that. Right now, we actually need to protect not just the computer. We need to protect our tablet. We need to protect our smartphone. We need to protect our smartwatch. We have a lot of devices, and those devices carry the information that we uh, we share, that we care, and the paradigm must be changed. We don't need to protect right now the, the, the asset. We need to protect the data on the asset. The asset is something important also, but we should care about the data. We shouldn't care about the about the asset. Then we have about uh, then we have mobile technology. There is a lot of mobile right now. Uh, we have 4G networks that practically that, that mimics the speeds or actually is the or uh, improve the speed of of Wi-Fi in in, in some uh, businesses or houses. And we have cell phones. We have actually uh, uh, most of the people right now are using their cell phones, their tablets, and try to replace that uh, their computers with that. And again, we need to protect the devices, but we need to protect the confidential data on that device. We need to uh, be sure that the, uh, that devices are secure with, with authentication methods that will uh, increase or will have enough controls, enough control mechanisms to protect the data that a mobile device is carrying on. We're dealing now with global businesses. We are not dealing with with a single office or a single headquarter in one city, and that's all. We are uh, dealing with a lot of offices and a lot of places in the in the world. So we need to protect each of those buildings, each of those businesses, uh, the communication between those uh, businesses, those offices, the data transportation between those uh, enterprises and those offices from the same uh, company should be protected. And that's that's difficult. We need to understand not just the te technical staff, but also the administrative staff, for example, policies in countries, compliance in countries, things like that are, are difficult to keep track of. And last, we have multiple vendors. In the past, we deal with, for example, uh, Lenovo, we deal with Dell, with Asus to uh, buy computers, buy servers, and that, that's it. Then we have providers or vendors that will give us uh, routers, uh, network equipment, things like that. And then we have our ISP to give us internet access. But right now we're dealing not just with one vendor, we're dealing with multiple vendors uh, on, on computers. We It's something common that we go into any, any office and we see not just uh, PCs, but also Macs computers with Windows but also with Linux so there is a lot of vendors there we are dealing right now with cloud computing cloud computing is a key part of the expansion of the technology but also there is a lot of vendors there is a lot of technology there and we need to understand those technologies in order to be to protect the infrastructure that we are implementing or we are, we are having on our uh, companies on our uh, personal life